Hi, and welcome to Walk Talk, a podcast courtesy of the Wound, Ostomy, and Continence Nurses Society. Walk Talk is your opportunity to learn more about advocacy, education, and research that support the practice and delivery of expert healthcare to individuals with wound, ostomy, and continence care needs. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jody Scardillo. Welcome to this week's edition of Walk Talk. I'm your host, Jody Scardillo. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Drs. Ivy Rasmus and Suzanne Keith. We're going to be talking about their poster presentation from WOC Next 2023 that was entitled, Put the Toes in Head-to-Toe Assessment. Thank you both so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to learn more about your poster uh, that you presented at WOC Next. So I would always like to hear about people's career pathways before we start going into how you did this great poster. So I was wondering if you would maybe, Ivy, tell me about your WOC background and what you're doing now. I started out as a pediatric nurse. I ended up getting my master's degree and working in neonatal and pediatric unit. In 1997, I had the chance to do a research project with Martha Curley at our pizza ICU, and that exposed me to research, and that was on the Braden Q scale. So after that, I became a quality analyst, had managed different unit types like peds and neonatal, went back to get my PhD at University of Kansas, and got certified in wound ostomy continence nursing at LaSalle University with Dr. Bites mm-hmm. and ended up becoming a WCN after 30 years of nursing. I wanted to learn more about what needed to be done in underserved populations. So I have a lot of background that come together to help me in this role. Currently, I'm teaching at the University of Detroit Mercy in Grand Rapids undergraduate BSN students. And this project that we did was part of our community health project for the senior nursing students. And Suzanne, tell us about your career pathway, how you got involved in this project. I've been a nurse for 45 years. I graduated with a BSN at Nazareth College in Kalamazoo, and then got my master's from Wayne State University in Detroit, And then it wasn't until for a few years later, I did get my PhD from Rutgers in New Jersey. But from the beginning, my passion, my background has always been community health. So I worked that one year in the hospital and then went into the community from there, working for visiting nurses and then helping start hospice back in the 80s and then started teaching. Well, because of my husband's job, we moved around the state a lot. And so I taught at many places. But we've been in Grand Rapids for 17 years. So when I came here to Grand Rapids to work for the University of Detroit Mercy with Ivy, that is when I really got into the foot care aspect. So I donated my time to do foot care for the homeless. And there would be every month we would work at a church and do the foot care. And I thought this is a really great experience and it would be really good for our students to learn this as well. So I started to incorporate that into the community clinicals with the nursing students. And and then 
Ivy's background. She has a very robust background with WOCN and she invited me to look at that and to join it. And so I'm pretty much a newbie. I've only been a member for a few years, but I've learned so much and I've really enjoyed it. So we got together and at our la- at the conference, the last conference that we went to WOCN next, we had a nice dinner and we thought, let's go further for this. And so we've been doing research now with foot care among the homeless. So that's how my interest started. That's great. We need research in that area of practice, I think. Now, Ivy, you were recently named section editor of the Journal of Wundasmi Continence Nursing. Will you tell us a little bit about that before we get on topic about foot care? Yes, I'm very excited about this opportunity. I have been a pediatric nurse, neonatal, younger populations, and I know that evidence in that area is needed. So this opportunity will provide us with a way to provide more evidence, find out what questions we have, and try to find out what best practices are in the pediatric population neonatal. So that starts this year, and I'm oriented to it. I have a background in quality, safety, neonatal, pediatric, and this is going into foot care, but there was a need, so... I go where there's unanswered questions. That's where my area go to. I'm hoping that we'll have more manuscripts that focus on pediatric interventions and best practice for nurses working in hospitals throughout the United States and elsewhere. Sounds like a great opportunity and a great need for our readers, too. So now tell us about this project you did with nursing students on foot care and assessment. Ivy and I have been working in the community clinical for the BSN nursing students, and it's their senior year. And we attended a conference, so WCN Next Conference, about a different topic. And we went out and we were just thinking, what can we do related to this issue? What can we do? And so we thought, why don't we start doing a study? Because the students were already doing foot care, but we didn't really have any measurable outcomes. So we thought we would do that. But the thing is, is Ivy came up with our title, which is put the toes in head to toe assessment, which I thought was pretty cool because the toes, the feet are often really neglected. And you ask nurses in the hospital about that. They're not looking at the feet. We've had students tell us the working in the ED that they'll have homeless people come in, they take off their socks and along some toes came with it. And there's been this thing against not only just taking care of people's feet, but taking care of the homeless and taking care of people in the community. I always ask people, my students in the beginning, how many people are interested in community health nursing? Maybe one hand will go up, usually none. Through our community clinical experiences and what they experience, they really do change their tune. And so they have realized about how important it is not only to take care of the feet, But to connect with this most vulnerable population, it has just been very rewarding for them. So we thought, well, let's see what the students know. You know, let's see what they know about foot care. We have mostly females in our program, and most of them have had pedicures before, so they knew a little bit about that. But we thought, let's really focus on the assessment and then the intervention, what you're going to do. So that's how we came up with this idea, and then it just went from there. So then how did you exactly complete it? 
The conference was in June. After that June, we actually developed a research protocol for the IRB, and we looked at what assessment tool would be easier to teach the students. So we picked the 60-second risk assessment tool because it was simple. We added the demographics to that. We didn't change the tool, but it would give us a way to know if someone needed a referral. And then as far as we're looking at when we got responses from satisfaction, we looked at the setting where we were because we did it in three types of settings, a homeless transitional setting, a emergency homeless shelter, and a community center, Salvation Army. So we had three different populations. And what we wanted to do is have the nurses who were in the study group got these training and checked off for competencies for the 60-second assessment tool for providing a bathing, the foot, and providing basic care they were checked off on. And they had completed a pretest, and it was really kind of similar to your walk, CEC, as far as comfort level, as far as how they feel about being comfortable or knowledge think they can do it. So it was more about confidence than anything. So with the pretest, so the control and study students, there were 13 students in our study group and the rest were control. That means they didn't get any foot training. Didn't mean they couldn't do it, but of the ones that were collecting data were checked up on how to collect the data and how to document. And from there, we developed a tool from OnForms, mainly a Likert-type scale, one to five, asking the people that were coming for foot care, are they able to provide their own foot care? Do they have someone to help them? I guess that was a big part that we discovered that a lot of people did not know or could not do their own foot care, which you think some of us have a hard time doing our foot care, but bending over and crossing your leg over to your your lap and doing that is not so easy, especially when people get older or have different health issues. One person even said that he hadn't showered for so long and that he hadn't done anything with his feet for like six months. Didn't look at him or anything. So right. yeah. Yeah. So they don't have access to bathing, yeah. at least in the emergency housing. This was also with the Salvation Army, which was older women primarily. Maybe we had a couple men. The other two places were men and women, men at one. So we just weren't aware of how it wasn't that easy for people to do. At least greater than 50%, 55% were not able to do their own nails. And greater than 50% were not able to have anyone help them. So you probably know people, we all do, that ask us to help them cut their nails. These people do not have someone that could help them. And even the ladies that weren't homeless, were in community centers, could not do their own nails. So that was something that kind of stuck out. The other thing that, as far as the students' pretest, post-test, so there was a significant difference between what they, how they felt before and at the completion. So every week, once we got the IRB, we provided foot care at these settings on our clinical day. Anyone could come. We collected data on their first time there. So we did the skin risk assessment 
we asked them the questions and we did foot care. And then after 10 weeks, some of them could come multiple times and some people only came once. So the data was only from their first visit. So based on that first visit, we found a lot of people that needed referrals because they weren't normal on that diabetic 60-second assessment tool. What we did find is when we started providing care, a lot of these people would come back every week and we would just get away. It, it takes every week we'd make progress with their thick nails and trying to and help them with that, skin. soaking them, planing them, moisturizing. We had a lot of people come back, but we only collected data on the first time. Will you talk a little bit about that 60-second assessment and what that is exactly for yes. maybe people that don't know a lot about that? Because I wasn't familiar with my hat to look it up. The 60-second tool is by Woodbury, Seabolt, Astro, Persuade, and Lowe. And they designed this tool for rapid and easy identification of high-risk diabetic feet. And so the first part of it is like a history. So we want to know, have you ever had an ulcer or any amputation, deformity, any ingrown toenails, thickened nails? And so they look at the, you know, do the physical exam. Students would check for pedal pulses. Were they absent or not? We looked at all the pulses of the lower extremities. Was there an active ulcer? Any blisters? Any calluses? Were they thick scale on plantar skin? Were there any fissures, any linear cracks that you could see? And then we did the monofilament test. And so we would do that appropriately on the right and left foot. And so basically that's it. That is the 60 second assessment tool. And then if there was a yes to any one of those, and that would indicate that there would need to be a referral. So that's how we measured the referral properties. So, And then how did you do the referrals? Were all of your people insured? You could send them to a podiatrist? or This last year, we did a follow-up with our focus being on trying to measure referrals. So we actually repeated it and had a referrals kind of documentation process, which was not successful. We found a very difficult time getting return calls from the wound clinic or podiatry or anyone that would take care of these patients. So I think we're going to focus on this in the future, but there's definitely an issue with these people having access to care. So basically the referral would be to the clinic so that we would let the clinic know. Brock at the homeless shelter, they have a nurse clinic there and we would refer them to there. They did have a physician come once a week that, especially if a person had issues with diabetic ulcers and infections and so forth, but we didn't get the follow-through. We would say, okay, here's the referral. We'd give the referral to the person also to the clinic, but then we really didn't know unless they came back and said, yes, I saw the doctor. One person didn't want us to make a referral because his method was just to go to the ED. Of course, that's something we were trying to prevent. No, I'll just go to the ED and they'll unwrap my leg and they'll look at it and they'll do whatever. And then they wrap it up again. And that was what he wanted. And there was no changing his tune. But it would be wonderful if we could find a partner, a diatrist or somebody to partner with us. And we're still looking at that, but we haven't been successful. You had trouble getting a follow-up. 
and getting these information if they did have a follow-up. It's good that some of the people went, though. Especially if they were having pretty big issues that they knew the importance of that, they would go. Some of them do have insurance, but that's part of, I think, the issues with this vulnerable population in general and healthcare. And then you talked in your poster about a satisfaction survey that you did, and it sounded like it was both the recipients of the foot care and then maybe the staff at the places that you went. So will you explain what you did about that too? Because I bet you got good results and good info from that. We gave that same satisfaction Likert scale using forms one to five to the staff and anyone that participated. So the staff at some places, maybe seven people, and then people that we probably participated might've been more than that. And then at the other settings too, who doesn't want to have their foot done for free? That is a no-brainer. But I think what comes away from this that we were talking about is that the students doing this foot care develop some kind of relationship yeah. with these people that probably wasn't possible without doing this foot care. So it basically established relationships right off the bat. And the students really like that. And they also really had a better understanding of, God, when we're in the hospital, we see these bad feet and nobody does anything. They're on the floor and not to disregard it. And we noticed a change in the mood of the atmosphere is that at the homeless shelter is mainly men, that when their feet were done and they've never had that experience right. before, they've never had such treatment. And they've never had somebody really, as Ivy said, there was a connection there. They felt really good. And it just, it was a humbling experience for sure. But the people receiving the foot care, how they felt accepted, they would say, oh, you don't want to see my feet. I'm embarrassed by whatever. And the students were wonderful. They were wonderful. And they said, no, your feet are just fine and would take care of them. And they were truly, truly appreciative. And of course, the staff at these places loved it because the people there, the customers they'll call them or consumers or patients, whatever they call them, would be so happy that we were there. And at the homeless shelter this past semester, not related to this study, but the workers wanted their feet done too. It's kind of funny. Yeah, so they had to prioritize. Yeah. We did get funded for the study in the fall. And so it's like we had our had to our due diligence with that. Overall, very positive. I honestly don't know of one person that didn't like it. You mean a student or a recipient? Everybody. Everybody. Did the staff encourage people to go have that done too? I bet that's a really nice thing. We had flyers made. The students made flyers so that people knew when we were coming. And then at the homeless shelter, again, from the first year to the second year, they changed it. At the first year, they had them in clinical rooms. Well, then they decided to put it into a gathering room, sectioned off. It was very private. And so there were people there waiting to get their bed or waiting to go out. So there are more people there and there was more awareness. And so the staff would encourage them there. And the same thing at the other place for the transitional housing where men were incarcerated and then they came to live to this transitional housing. I think initially when we first did it, maybe one would do it, but it was in a place where there were windows and it was just so interesting because men would walk by 
and look to see what was going on. And then not sure, then another one would do it. And then another one. And then it became very popular. So it was literally lined up down the hallway. And some of those people maybe don't have caregivers or people to help them with any of that. And so have that. Just thinking of another question. So the supplies that you use, did you have the students bring those or? We were buying the supplies and then we got a grant through our university. Close to $5,000. Yes. What happened for this year, which was so cool, is that we thought, okay, let's do this. So we got the necessary supplies. We got our towels. We got the foot baths. We got the liners. We got the scrubs and files and the monofilament. And then we decided, let's get some towel warmers. And we got sterilization machine there. And we also got Uber. At the homeless shelters, one of them is in a very, our downtown is by no means New York. No. But there's no parking and we're worried about safety. So we factored an Uber to bring the student and faculty to the place. And back, so we didn't have to worry about carting all those supplies. So we take them in and take them out. We had bees. Another thing that we did, in addition to that, but one of the students thought, oh, I have aromatherapy. And so they brought in the towels and the atmosphere. And then I said, well, let's have some spa music. And so a student had her playlist, and it just changed the environment yeah. there to have that music and right. to have a nice scent and the warm towels. They love that. Now, this is the second year. So the yeah. supplies we got covered for the second year. And we also both years have provided socks yeah. that came through. And if they came and asked us for another one, I might give it the next time. But if they got their feet done, we that, give them that. Was a, and that was a draw too. And the students for one of the clinical sections, they have to do a project for their section. And so one did a sock drive one year. And so they went to Aquinas College here where we are, churches to get socks. But that, you're right. I'm glad you mentioned that. The socks are a big draw. I mean, who doesn't like a fresh pair of socks? Exactly. And then will you tell me how you operationalized what you as a faculty person went to one of these places and how many students did you bring? Suzanne and I were both clinical instructors, so co-investigators. So the data was collected where we did our clinicals with the students. So we were there the whole time. So we made sure they had everything and followed the protocol. For the homeless shelter where I was at, sometimes they'll put restrictions on how many students can come. So the first year, they said they only wanted two. And so I said, well, I really would like to have more than two to have four. So that's why we went to the larger space. So then what we did was had one of the students did the intake. So she would do recruiting and intake. Also, what we did was we did take blood pressure. So we're looking at blood pressures. Ivy found some research that said that through this relaxation of foot care, that blood pressures can be decreased. So we thought, well, let's check that out. So we did the blood pressures too. And then there were another two stations, and that's where they did the actual foot care for those two. And it was a great spot because it used to be like an old kitchen. So there was like the sinks were right there, the warm water, and everything was really good. So, and then I had my other students, I had them at other places like hospice or home care or whatever. But where Ivy was, she had more, was able to have more students. So 
So the students that weren't with us were actually the control. So they didn't have that education. They didn't get checked off on it. Doesn't mean they couldn't do foot care, but it just meant that we didn't collect data from those people as far as those, they weren't doing any data collection. And what was the feedback from the students? It sounds like it was an amazing experience from them, but what kind of things did you hear as faculty that? Honestly, I was pleasantly surprised and they really had heartfelt empathy for people and they just felt so excited and so good about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they didn't think of it as drudgery at all or anything. And I was so impressed. As it turned out, I don't know, I just randomized students. And so two of the students in my group, they work at the psych medical unit at the hospital. How perfect was that? So that they were able to really help de-escalate if somebody was getting out excited that they weren't next or whatever. The reflections, we have them write reflections as well. And our school is a Catholic school. And our mission is a Mercy Jesuit mission tradition, where we tell the students that our role as nurses is to care for the whole person. But especially we look at the vulnerable, the poor, the marginalized, and that those are the people that need our care the most. So the thing that I liked about that was, is that they provided care. They were on the floor. That was one thing that was not as comfortable for the students because they're on the floor and the people that came for foot care were in chairs. And so they had to feel a little bit uncomfortable in this. But a couple of them that work in the ED said that that has changed their perspective about people coming in to the hospital. And I mean, I've often said, you can bring anybody in the hospital, strip them of their clothing, put on a gown, clean them up, but you don't know their background. And so it also helped them understand more to ask people about their lives. The students also had the opportunity for this particular group to go to a homeless camp. So they went with health team to the camp where they actually lived in their tents. And that, they said, was really eye-opening for them. I'm hoping that they keep this spirit with them and not become calloused or hardened You hear those terms, frequent flyer, or he's drunk or whatever, and it's let's strip away those stereotypes. And this is a person here. Obviously, when the one said, hey, what about aromatherapy? What about music? What about this and that? That was cool. Her group took a little spin on it with the aromatherapy and Mm -hmm. taking ownership. They took control. And that was this year, I should have Yeah, this year. This year, yeah. The first year. It was our first year, yeah. so we worked them really hard. <laughs> Two of them were at one place, and they were doing yes. it every 15 minutes. They were yeah. exhausted. So we yeah. can't do this. This is too hard. So right. that's why we changed things up, right. and then we did things a little different, as you do in research. So but we're learning as we go. And so we talked a little bit about referrals. And so what would you say were the most common reasons that you were sending, or were there multiple things on per person? Yeah. Maybe the foot circulation didn't look good. We would let the nurse know right away, but we didn't document. We documented who should be referred. So a large number, high percentage needed to be referred. And those were more in the emergency homeless center and then the transitional and then the people living in the community. So the greatest need was for the people that were emergency homeless. Yeah, I think it was decreased circulation. 
diabetic and a lot of uh, really thick nails and really poor skin on the feet where they really dry, cracked, maybe a sore. If they had a sore, we would recommend that they get that looked at by somebody. We saw some pretty sad looking feet though. Student is saying that the odor on some was so bad. And I said, well, you know, there's no reason why you can't wear a mask. So they would wear their masks. Yeah. That's why the aromatherapy really yeah, made helped. a difference. Yeah. Two so, reasons for that, right? Yeah, yeah. And we also had nice moisturizing lotion. Yes, I had and the so. scrub they used. Was there anything that surprised you both about how this went? I'm sure you had an idea when you set it up. And were there surprises along the way that you didn't expect to happen? Responses from the people getting foot care. I mean, how genuinely thankful they were and how they were embarrassed to even show their feet. They were timid about that. But I think the thankfulness, how some people just kept thanking the students and how appreciative they were. And yeah, it did surprise me a little bit about the students being as enthusiastic as they were because they really did embrace it. So I think that was a really a good thing. Also, I think that the staff, they were very appreciative too. So we felt like they really wanted us there and they were thankful that we were there. I just thought that the nursing students came away with a better idea of the whole person that needs to include the feet and not prioritize based on body part. The other thing is, is that this is an ideal way to form a relationship with someone and improve their health because it shows caring and it shows respect. And they really haven't had that. A lot of these people have not had it. And even if you or I had it, we would appreciate it if someone did our feet. So it's just a gift. You're just giving me another idea for another study. To go back to these students yeah, how many months later to see, okay, you know, now you, they're in the hospital. Yeah, that's like, where they all are. So I what, was thinking the same yeah. thing. We would ask them, okay, but the difference is for yeah. those that were in this and those yeah. that were not, see if, if that made a difference, yeah, yeah, that'd be really good. When you do that, you can come back and talk to me on the podcast about your results. So now you, this project has evolved and continues to evolve. When you set this up, do you wish you had done anything differently from the beginning? You know how when you sometimes do a big project and then you look back and say, oh my God, I wish I did fill in the blank? I think the big thing is how to make it sustainable. With the supplies, it's expensive. You know, the supplies are, so how to do that? My dream, and I've told Ivy this, that I would love, I think it'd be really cool is to have a mobile van. They do have medical vans. I mean, how nice would it be to partner with our engineering department and have a mobile van where we can take the van to the camps, to the streets and do foot care in a mobile van. That's kind of a dream. That would be really nice. But I think we did grow a lot from the first year to the second year as far as more supplies and being just better organized, I think, because initially we had the tubs, but we would be cleaning them out with bleach and everything in between. And then I thought, well, heck, let's get the covers. And still, we still clean them out, but we use those covers too. Improvements like that. And the main thing that we found was there's the referral situation needs to be further figured out because 
we had an idea of these podiatrists that actually you could call and they come to your place and do it. And nothing panned out. They didn't answer the number. The place we try to refer to, they didn't call back. So we never got a response. And if that happens to us, it's going to happen to those patients who don't have a phone. How are they going to make an appointment to get their feet done if we can't even get through? They never call us back. There is one other thing, too, that I thought of that would be good, and that is to have some partnership collaboration with somebody that can provide shoes. So that was another issue. There was this one man whose feet hurt him so bad, and he had on these boots that he had, and they were a size, I kid you not, seven. And I said, what size are you normally in? He said, a 10. So then it happened to be the worker there. She said, you know what? My son-in-law just donated a pair of boots your size. I'll go get them. And so she went and got those boots for him to wear. And he just felt really good. Well, he came back the next week and he said it was so wonderful that his feet did not hurt. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have that as an option too, where we could provide shoes because some people just, they don't have the proper footwear at all. Or their footwear is in horrible condition. They walk so many miles. If we had a pedometer on them, I think we'd be surprised how many miles a day they walk. Every day. Yeah, they can't stay in the shelter during the day. They have to be out supposedly looking for work. And so besides talking to your students in the future about how their approach is after participating in this, what other ideas do you have as far as future research? It sounds like the sky's the limit with things you could do. What do you ladies think about that? We did continue on the next semester, which, or this past year. So we have more data that would hopefully give us information. We did a hopeless survey, how they felt about their lives. The data isn't all complete. We haven't analyzed it all, but I was surprised at how many put they were happy. They didn't feel hopeless. And I was like, oh my goodness, I I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was surprising to me, given their lives and what they were doing. But I think there's so many options, so many things we could do. Do you have any ideas that come pop into your head that you're thinking? I usually ask the questions. I think it would be good to do that footwear project and then see over time if they had decreased problems with their feet. Good idea. Of all of that, because... It's a long-term thing for most of those people and their situations, a lot of them don't seem to change that much, I think, at least in my experience. I also think initially we were thinking about, well, it'd be interesting to see what nurses think who are working in the hospital, whatever, about assessing the feet, about caring for the feet. Some people don't like to touch feet. I do remember one student, this was years back when I was going to the church to do foot care and I brought some freshman nursing students with me. She said, I don't touch feet. Well, you're going to be a nurse. You touch all parts of the body, including the feet. And so again, the stigma of people and where people come from, that's just all the inequities that people suffer to do maybe more research in that area. What else is important about this project that I didn't ask you about? I'm so glad you came on because your poster is amazing, but there's so much more to what you did for that project than you could even put on a poster. 
Thank you. I mean, I really appreciate you inviting us and to be interested in the topic. I know when we presented different parts of this project over the year, maybe three or four different places, and it does generate a lot of interest in people. It's something that has been ignored, something that people don't think about. And so I think that that's given us some more energy to continue on with it and to find more resources. We've got to keep plugging away at that. We have to develop some partnerships that's going to provide support for their needs. And some dollars to help you, right? Where does the money go? What do people feel like this is an important issue to support? So it's just finding those right connections. And I think that we will. We were looking at funding, getting a grant to fund for the doctor's appointment, so the podiatry, or Mm -hmm. if we made a referral, and to pay for the transportation. And we actually probably had wiggle room in our budget to do that. But when it came down to it, when the guy said I needed to refer mental health, got his information, then he thought I had his card. It turned out to be a very complex situation trying to get this guy to where he needed to go because you have conservators too and their insurance and their ability cognitively. So you're dealing with a lot more issues than just feet. You almost need an administrative person to help coordinate. They do have a care manager at those places. So I think we're going to have to look more into how we develop that relationship for referrals. Well, thank you both for joining me today. This was an awesome topic. And when you do more research, let me know and you can come back and we'll talk about it. Okay. Thank you so much, Jody. We really appreciate meeting with you today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk Talk. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast for additional details about this topic and the speakers. You can also get more information about subscribing to this podcast so you never miss an episode and to get the latest news and information from the WOCN Society. Again, that's WOCN.org slash podcast. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Walk Talk. Walk Talk.